Good morning, everyone. We're glad you're here at Homestead Community Church this morning as we kind of officially kick off the Christmas season. I know some of you have probably been kicking off the Christmas season for about six weeks now. I know it gets earlier and earlier every year, so... But officially, it's December. We're going to start singing some songs in church. And by the way, this is a time where we just come, we celebrate Christmas together. So if you are, you know, we're not going to have a debate about when to start, when it's okay to start celebrating Christmas. Um, you know, some of you start after Thanksgiving or like December. Some of you have been going since, since about Halloween. This is a judgment-free zone. So if you're whatever end of the spectrum you are, I'm with that. However, if you are one that celebrates, you know, starting in Thanksgiving, or no, even earlier than that, if you're one that puts your Christmas decorations up, um, you know, the start of November, just a quick word of caution to you, you might be a psychopath, you know, in my... Not really, but just, uh, I'm one who, it's, it's funny to me, I, I enjoy watching people because it seems like we're in a hurry to start the Christmas season, right? Let's get going, everyone loves it, let's get going. But a lot of those people, by the time December 20th rolls around, they're like, I'm in, I want to get this stuff out of my house, let's get Christmas over with so I can get my house back. Um, we did decorate our home, I have not gotten up on the roof yet. Uh, to put the Christmas lights on the house, and uh, every year there's that one day late November that is the warm, unseasonably warm day where my wife says, maybe today's the day you should put the Christmas lights on the house, and I think, ah, it's, I don't feel like doing that today, it'll be fine, and then it snows, and then after, so then I will be up on the roof um, in the blowing snow, uh, putting my life on the line for the merriment of the season, I'm happy to do it. A um, couple quick things. Stephen mentioned uh, the Christmas caroling at Dakota City. That's at the Dakota County Fairgrounds. You need a ticket to get into the fairgrounds. So we have tickets, complimentary tickets, for everyone who wants to come and Christmas carol with us. So that's this Saturday at 4 o'clock in the old chapel on the Dakota County Fairgrounds. It's super fun. Basically, we just stand up there and we sing Christmas carols for an hour. We've got lots of kids joining us, so it's going to be great. Um, we invite the, whoever's there watching us to sing along with us. So if you want one of these tickets, you've got to grab one to get onto the fairgrounds. They're at the, at the back at the info table, so they look like this. Green Christmas trees with complimentary ticket written on them. And then one final thing before we jump into our uh, Christmas message today. Um, it's end of year, so I know some of you are thoughtful as far as end of year giving goes, and I would love to encourage you to support Homestead Church with any end of year giving that you have for tax purposes, if you'd like inf more information on that, but I'd be happy to answer any questions about that. But if you are one who would love to give an end of the year gift for tax purposes, we would gladly accept that, and we will accept any gifts that are to us at the church by December, by the end of the day, De December 31st, so... If you want any more information on that, I'd be happy to give you that information. All right, so we are kicking off our Christmas season officially today. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I actually really enjoy Christmas. I love, I've noticed it changing over the years as I've gone from kid to adult. And if you've got kids at home, you see this with, with Dottie, especially our youngest. It is still all about gifts and elves on the shelves and all the fun, magical things about Christmas. And uh, our elf did make, our elf on the shelf did make an appearance this morning, a day late. Um, so I'm not sure what her deal was, but she showed up a day late. Um, elf on the shelf. Um, uh, and then as I've gotten older, I've noticed that my outlook on Christmas is a little bit different. I truly do enjoy giving gifts to the kids. I enjoy seeing them opening gifts. As a kid, I always heard that parents say, when you're older, you'll enjoy giving gifts more than you will receiving them. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Who would enjoy giving more than getting a present? But I do enjoy it now seeing uh, my, my kids as they open gifts and other friends and family as they open gifts. 
It is a great season, but I want to recognize as we start this series, I want to talk about what it would be to be, what it would take to have a really most wonderful Christmas. Because I recognize that for some people, it can be stressful. For some people, it can be hard. For some people, Christmas season brings up some hurt, some pain, and everyone feels a little bit differently about the Christmas season. For some, I mean, you watch the Hallmark movie channels, and it's all the magical moments of Christmas. And for some, you wish you had that. You wish there was those magical moments. And for some, um, you wish that there was the ability to give lots of gifts and to be generous and to give gifts to all your friends and family members. But you are in a tight spot financially. And you think, boy, if only I had the resources to give a bunch of gifts. And then for others, you have plenty of resources to give gifts, but it's just become this routine kind of thing that you do, checking things off the list. There's no gratitude. There's no joy in it. And you're thinking, boy, I wish I had less people I could give gifts to. I wish there was a sense of um, joy found in this gift-giving season. Um, For some people, it's just the stress of the schedule If you're like me, you've got kids in school and you never understand why they put Christmas concerts and band concerts the week before Christmas. You're thinking, we've got so many things going on, but it's a full schedule with Christmas parties, office parties, family reunions. Some of you have different Christmases for different sides of the family. And you're just sitting here thinking, I would enjoy Christmas a whole lot more if I could just slow down. If I could just have some peace and quiet. If I could just sit by the fire roast some chestnuts and all the other favorite things and whiskers on kittens and all those things and really just soak in the Christmas season. But for others, I recognize it can be lonely. There there isn't a long list of engagements to get to. There isn't a long list of parties to go to. And you're thinking, all I do is sit by the fire. I wish there was something I could be a part of. Christmas can be lonely for some. You're thinking, boy, I wish I had family coming into town. Maybe this is a year where you don't have family coming into town. And on the flip side of that, maybe the family coming town is the part of the stress that comes with Christmas season. Maybe you're dreading that day when the in-laws, not me, of course, my in-laws aren't here today, so I could, I could make jokes if I wanted to, but I wouldn't because they're awesome. Uh, but maybe it's the extended family coming to town, and you know from the moment they walk in the house, it's just conflict. You know there's stress. You know there's underlying conflict there that is never going to be resolved. Some crazy uncle's going to start talking politics and the whole thing's just going to go out the window. And you're thinking, boy, it's the family itself that's the stress. For a lot of us, we think Christmas would be great if it was just a little bit different circumstance. So we're kicking off December today, and the title of today's message is this, The Most Wonderful Christmas. Because I am here to declare what we read in Scripture, what we know of Christmas, is that no matter our circumstance, this season can be one filled with joy, with love, and with peace. And so we mentioned a couple of things that we're doing at Homestead over the next few months. I just want to invite you. So first of all, I want to invite you to be a part of our family. We've got a great uh, morning next Sunday. The kids are doing a Christmas musical. And it's cute kids on the stage. You can't, you know, there's nothing else that really matters, right? It's going to be a great time during our normal service next Sunday morning. Come Christmas caroling with us. Take some time during the week and read through the scriptures around the Christmas story. I mean, really, you find the gospel narratives of the Christmas story at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. You can read through those, but soak in this Christmas season. We can decide today to have the most wonderful Christmas, right? We can do that. I want to also invite you, and I'm going to mention this in my sermon a little bit. If you are one that you don't have 
family or friends. You are going to find yourself alone a lot this Christmas. Can you come up and talk to me afterwards? And I think we could like coordinate some church-wide Christmas parties. And I want to make sure that nobody that's a part of our family is feeling alone on Christmas or leading up to Christmas. So if that's you, I want you to come talk to me after the service and we'll, uh, we'll, figure, out, we'll figure out something that you can be a part of. We want to invite you into our church family this Christmas season. So today, we're looking at four things, four characters from the Christmas story and four ways that we can make this Christmas the most wonderful Christmas. So the first one, and we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke starting out, Luke chapter 2, and this is, the, this is the story that, you know, uncle, whoever reads on Christmas morning before the kids are allowed to eat, we got to read the Christmas story. It's always Luke chapter 2, so if you have a Bible, if you want to follow along, there's some black hardcover Bibles there. Luke chapter 2, and the first group we're going to talk about, the first character from the Christmas story is the shepherds. We're going to talk about the shepherds, and we're going to talk about what we can learn from the shepherds to make this the most wonderful Christmas. So I want to read uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and I'm going to read through verse 20. Luke 2, 8 through 20, it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to, the, to those on whom his favor rests." When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So that is the story of the shepherds and what we can learn from the shepherds and one thing that we can do that will make this Christmas the most wonderful. This Christmas is the most wonderful when you are included, when you're included. And that's really the main point about the shepherds. That's the big idea of Christmas is that we're included. You're included. That's the whole idea of Christmas is that we are reconciled to God. God has included us in his story. We are brought in. And this is so significant that the angel appears to the shepherds of all people. And the shepherds, it says that in that story, they went away praising God for the things that they had seen and heard. It's quite remarkable that the angel came to the shepherds because the shepherds were not important people. They were not wealthy people. They would have been on the outside. They would have been on the outside of town watching the flocks. They were alone at night except for those sheep. They were on the outskirts of society. They were not highly regarded. Shepherds were typically poor, bottom of the social totem pole, so to speak. They were poor, not highly regarded, and they were not people of any means or any status at all. And these were the people that the angel came to announce the arrival of the Messiah. 
These are who the angel appeared to. I bring you good news today of great joy, which will be for all people. So even if you feel like outsiders, you're included. Even if you feel alone or excluded, you are brought into God's story. This is the message of Christmas. We are included. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And we have to let that sink in. God came to be with us, to reconcile us to him, to include us in his story of salvation. This is good news. This is the lyrics we were singing in that Christmas carol. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. God and sinners brought together. God bringing us in, restoring that relationship, and that relationship is the source of everything we need this Christmas season. So maybe the message for you today is to just open up your heart. Maybe you've never made that decision to open up your heart to that reconciliation between you and God, to have that relationship restored, to be included in God's story of salvation. This can be a day of great rejoicing if you open up your heart to salvation in Jesus Christ. Receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. The shepherds in the story are a reminder to you that God includes everyone in his story. But this also has to do with some other people, right? This idea of reconciliation, this idea of including others in a story. Let's include others in our story. Let's open up our home. Maybe your home could be opened up to someone who doesn't have family or friends, or maybe someone you meet that is alone this Christmas season. Maybe your inclusion to other people could be inviting somebody in, sharing your family with somebody else who is alone or is in in need this Christmas season. And perhaps for you, the message today in reconciliation is you know that there are people that you don't have right relationship with. Maybe Christmas is harder for you because it just shines a light or like a magnifying glass on hurt or broken relationships that are involved in your family, in your circle of friends. Maybe the family getting together does not sound like a great idea. I already kind of joked about that a little bit. But for some of you, it's a real stress where there is the pain of a broken relationship. So perhaps this season you could lead the way in reconciliation, extending a hand of reconciliation, inviting someone into your story. Perhaps you could be the one to bring light into the darkness that is that broken relationship. And that, through that, this season could be the light that shines the brightest because you did have healing to something that was broken. Someone who was on the outside you brought in. This is the story of the shepherds that God includes everyone in his story. And that is a big part of Christmas. So that's the shepherds. Christmas is the most wonderful when you are included. The second one is this. Second way we can make Christmas the most wonderful is when you're generous. When you're generous. And I want to look at the wise men or the magi as we know them. This is in the first part of the book of Matthew. So if you want to flip back to Matthew, I'm going to mark my place here so I can come back. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. I want to read a couple of verses from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And I'll also read, I'll read verse 1 and 2, and then verse 10 and 11. They'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. This is where the Magi, the wise men, enter the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him and then jump ahead to verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
The wise men, in many ways, are the opposite of the shepherds. The wise men are important people. They are wealthy people. They are people with great status. And what I love and what's significant about their story is this, is they were wealthy. They were important. They were rulers and highly regarded, but yet they ventured a long journey to bring gifts, to humble themselves, to be generous in their gifts to the king of kings. They were humble in their worship. They bowed down, worshiped the newborn king, presented their gifts generously to Jesus. This is the season for giving. This is the season for giving, for giving of our resources, our time, our love, our affection. We've heard it said that this is the season of giving. But it is not just about, as the wise men were doing, about bringing expensive things. Some of you maybe had frankincense on your Christmas list to give to somebody today, and you're thinking, how am I going to afford frankincense? And you're thinking, what is frankincense? I don't even know what that is. I should probably look that up. It's probably an essential oil of some sort that costs way more than it should. Um, This is not just about buying expensive things for others. The act of giving and receiving gifts is wonderful. And like I said, I've seen this shift where I enjoy seeing people open gifts. I enjoy seeing the joy on my kid's face as they open a gift that we've given them. But the economics of this in the Christmas season for some can be stressful. So I just want to encourage you today, if you're stressed out about the budget around Christmas, but you feel obligated to buy gifts for a long list of people, just be kind to yourself, okay? Be kind to yourself. Release that obligation Perhaps your family could get together and kind of hit the reset button about what's expected with gifts so that there could be some joy and that everyone could participate within their means. But the bigger picture of this is this, that generosity can be something way more than buying a gift for somebody, right? Generosity involves time. Generosity involves attention. Maybe you could be generous with your family or friends just by opening your home or starting a new Christmas tradition that is something that's not super expensive, but that's something that would bring meaning and life and joy and love to the Christmas season for so many. Maybe for some today, it's just to cut back on the crazy schedule so that you would have more time just to spend with your family. Christmas is the most wonderful when it is offered in a spirit of generosity, when we gladly give to others, like the wise men, when we bow low to serve others, when we put others before us, when we put others' needs before our needs, when we recognize first and foremost it's about worship to our Lord. This is what we see in the wise men. First and foremost, they bowed down. They gave worship to the King of Kings. It's recognizing the generosity of God, how he has been generous to us, how he has already, despite how you're looking at the economics of Christmas, Our God has already been so generous to each of us. Amen. He has already been so generous and blessed us abundantly. So this Christmas, to make it the most wonderful, find a way to give. Find a way to give. Sign your family up to ring the Salvation Army bell for an hour. Find a way to serve another family. Find a family in your neighborhood that is in need and sponsor that family. Find a way to attend some church services or to sing some Christmas carols and and allow yourself that time to bow before the Lord. Say, God, you have blessed me and I abundantly want to give my praise and worship to you and our thanks to you. A spirit of gratitude and generosity will help this Christmas be the most wonderful. So the first one, Christmas is wonderful when you're included. 
Second one, it is wonderful when you are generous. And here's the third one. We're looking at the character of Simeon. Christmas is the most wonderful when you are consoled. When you are consoled. This is a small part of the Christmas story. It's kind of a sentence in there that often gets overlooked. It is one of my favorites. Talking about the character of Simeon back in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And the background is this. Simeon is a temple worker, a worker in the temple. And he has heard from the Lord that he is not going to die and go to heaven until he sees the Messiah. Now, this is coming at, you know, the Israelites have generations and generations and thousands of years where they are waiting for the Messiah. And the time leading up to Jesus, there was a time where God really wasn't communicating to the people of Israel. So Simeon would have been a guy that's just waiting, who has been through so much, coming to the end of his life, realizing how long the Israelites have been waiting for the hope of the Messiah. And he is waiting every day, wondering, will today be the day? Will today be the day that I get to see the Messiah? So we're going to read this in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And this is um, after Jesus has been born a few days. They go through, they had, well, it says right here, they had to go through the purification at the temple. It was said every firstborn would have to go to, a temp, go to the temple for a purification ritual. So that's what's happening with Jesus here in verse 22 of Luke 2. When the time came... For the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. In the original Greek, it also says four calling birds or three French hens or a partridge in a pear tree. You didn't know that song was so scriptural, right? A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for, and I love this line, the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For I, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I love that passage of Scripture, but I love that line in there. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation, to console, to bring comfort, to bring healing. What a great line. I love that. I love that verse, the idea of a hurting world being consoled. And I mentioned this. Israel had been through a long history waiting for the Messiah. Evil kings and defeat and going into exile and slavery and seeing their nation fall into idol worship. Long periods where it seemed like God had abandoned them. All these things Simeon knows about. And he sees Jesus and he recognizes that this is the consolation or the comforter of Israel. Israel is now going to be consoled and comforted. This message is for everyone. Everyone who is currently in the midst of a difficult time. Who's longing for better situations, a better season. Longing for better things. The Savior Emmanuel, God with us, is our consolation, our comforter, the one who brings comfort and healing to a hurting world. And boy, does it seem like every day more and more it's a hurting world, right? It just seems like everyday life 
just seems to be more filled with conflict today. More darkness, more pain, more hurt. We are in a dark, hurting world, and it can be draining. And it can be draining through the Christmas season. For many, the Christmas season is not wonderful because it reminds them of loss that they have experienced or pain or hurt that they have experienced. Perhaps you're in that situation. Perhaps today you are in a family situation where you have experienced loss in the past year. Maybe this year around the Christmas table there's going to be an empty chair of someone who has passed away over this past year. And this is a year that's hard for you. There is loss. This Christmas season reminds you of that. Sadness and grief and hurt. And I want to remind you today, as Simeon saw that day, the Savior has come to earth. He is our consoler. He is our comforter, our healer, the one that brings healing to our hurt. So this season, if you're in that situation, allow yourself time to grieve. Allow yourself time to process that. Allow allow yourself to recognize that there is hurt, that you are in a time where there has been lost. But then allow yourself to allow the light of the world to come in. Allow yourself the consoler, the consolation of God's people, the healer, the comforter, Emmanuel, God's presence being with us. Allow him to come in and bring light into your darkness. And again, if you're finding yourself alone this Christmas or hurting this Christmas, I want to remind you, you are a part of our family. And we want to rally around you and support you and help you. That's the third way that this Christmas can be wonderful is when you recognize that you are consoled, as Simeon recognized. And finally, the fourth one is this. This Christmas will be the most wonderful when you are blessed. When you're blessed. We're going to look at Mary in Luke chapter 1. Now, this passage I'm going to read is known as the Magnificat, or it is the passage after Mary has been told that she's pregnant and Elizabeth has come to visit her and she's heard more and more the significance of what this means. This is Mary's response, a very well-known passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read starting in verse 46. We're going to read 46 through 48. This is Mary's response upon recognizing the significance of what is happening. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I want to look at that phrase where Mary says, from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. This Christmas season is wonderful when you recognize that you are blessed. Now, This word often gets misunderstood. There's two definitions if you look at the original language that the Bible was written in for the word blessed. One is kind of how we commonly use it. It's to speak highly of someone, to to give someone favor. The original Greek word would be eulogio, or how we get the word eulogize, to speak kindly, to edify someone in how we talk about them, to bless them. That's how we would look at that. But this word that Mary uses is a different Greek word. This word doesn't get used very often in the New Testament, actually only a couple of times. And this word, this Greek word is makario, and this word means something different. And it's used only a couple of times in the New Testament. It means that we are blessed because God is dwelling in. It's not speaking kindly of someone like that other Greek word. This one means we are blessed because God is dwelling in. Mary is saying, I am blessed because God is dwelling in me. God has intervened. God has stepped into my life. The presence of God is with me, 
And no matter what the other circumstances are, I am blessed because of the presence of God in my life. This is to be indwelt by God, to have the presence of God in you and therefore be fully satisfied. That's actually the, the definition that I read looking up the, the Greek word. It means this, to be indwelt by God and therefore be fully satisfied. It sounds a lot like Christie's message last week if you were here where she's talking about how Jesus does that. It's a satisfaction, not like, oh, I've eaten enough and I'm still kind of hungry, but I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. That's okay. No, it is fully satisfied meaning I have everything I could ever want. I have everything I could ever need. I have the presence of God in me and therefore I am fully satisfied. This is what it means to be blessed. This is what Mary says. Every generation is going to look at me and call me blessed because the presence of God is in me. Mary knew she was blessed because God was with her. When we invite Jesus in, he comes in. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, and we are blessed. We are blessed in spite of every circumstance, in spite of every hurt or loss or pain. We are blessed because the presence of God is in us, and we are fully satisfied. We have everything we need. This Christmas is most wonderful because of that, because we are blessed. God is with us. God is in us, and that is everything we need to be fully satisfied. Amen? We need to be blessed this Christmas season. We've already been blessed by so much, and we need to recognize God is with me, That is everything I need for this Christmas season to be the most wonderful. So those are the four things today. So I want us as a church family to just decide right now in all the good and the bad that's going to happen over the next few weeks, we can make this the most wonderful Christmas because we recognize we're included and we can include others. We've been given generously by God and we can give generously to others. We've been consoled by God in our hurt and our pain and we can do the same thing for others. And we have been blessed because God's presence dwells in us. Amen. So how I want to wrap up this service today is I have a helper who's going to come read a passage of Scripture. Kerrigan's going to come up here. She found out about this this morning. So she's super excited to come read a few verses from Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Kerrigan's going to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 through 7, a very well-known passage of Scripture. And then we're going to stand, and we're going to sing one more Christmas carol together. Actually, let's stand right now together as I pray. And then Kerrigan's going to read, and then I will lead us in one more Christmas carol. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We recognize your generosity to us. We recognize your blessing to us. So Lord, this Christmas season, in the good and the bad, the busy and the relaxed and all the things that we go through, I pray that we would be mindful of you, that we would take the steps, that we would recognize all the things that we can do to make this Christmas the most wonderful, not only for us, but for our family, for our church family, for our community and friends. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that you would shine brightly in our lives, and that we would be mindful of your presence and recognizing that you have been so good to us. We praise you and we thank you. And everybody said, amen. Would you like to just pray? Sure. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. For, a, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, 
Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever. Isaiah 9, 2-7. 